0: Well, um, in the first couple of podcasts we've done, we've mentioned a number of times uh, this whole issue about fruit. And, you know, I think I said in one of them that it was absolutely transformational to me the first time I heard you speak, which is at the the Fire Fence conference when we were in Switzerland together. And you did that whole session on fruit and the glory of God, right? And and I'd like us to really dig into that a little bit more uh, today, tonight, on this podcast. So...
1: How did it start for you? Um, we, we, we've talked about trying to orient yourself in uh, a world where you're not familiar uh, with, with, with the territory and so on. And so in terms of community, you have to find new touch points in terms of uh, you're relating to God and walking out with him in discipleship you have to find new touch points. And one of the, you know, one of the... <laughs> Uh, fundamental qualities of humans is that we get anxious <laughs> and we get stressed and we don't know we don't know answers to these we you know we lack peace and uh, and so you have to push into God on these things to to get answers so so fundamentally it's really realizing to prosper and flourish here i'm going to need to connect with the rest that comes from God and i'm going to need to connect to who he is somehow to orient my internal world so that I can show up well here. And the discovery of that was at the very best, it's my conviction now, the very best part of being a Christian or a believer, walking with God, is who he is. It's not a job or a role or significance within something. It's who he is and it's drilling into that. Yeah. Well, excellent. Okay, so how... You know, yeah. start to tell me the journey
0: because I, I know obviously I know some of the journey, but listeners don't right, so
1: so over the years, just, just think you you know there's little strands that sort of sit there and they come together and begin to build a picture. One of them was I read many years ago um, about you know Moses says to God, "Show me your glory, and God says to Moses, "I will make all my goodness pass before you and that's a typical God thing you know he he where's the answer come from? why is his goodness? His glory what does that mean and it, it didn't have any I didn't have any framework to process that so I just it just stays there as an oddball and I, I, I over the years yeah when, when we were going through some of the things we we're going through in business and work and finding new new um, community levels and so on I was listening to a lot of prophetic teachers online a lot of American guys particularly and a, lot of, a lot of prophetic teachers and one of the things the Americans really have got have kind of gripped is the idea of the glory of God and yet inside there was a well it's they use it a lot
0: <laughs> however
1: do do? <laughs> however i had this conviction uh, that they're talking about something but i'm not sure that i'm seeing uh, or, or what i don't think they're conveying what that glory is what the substance of it you know it's, it's something they talk about but actually it doesn't get unpacked right. and then i was listening to one american pr- prophetic teacher and he told the story of how an extraordinary healing had happened and that night in the hotel room after he would sort of got, uh, got gone back after the evening and God started talking to him and said do you know why I did that and he said no God why and, and God said to him he said because I'm a good God and then suddenly a light went off hang on this goodness of God is something really fundamental we've got it it's the nature of God is that he's good I think I've talked previously about some of these cognitive dissonances right. okay. that we live with, and i my my feeling is that i would i conceptually accepted God is good, but my conviction is that he's changeable, and I'm not persuaded he's good
0: and I think that's really interesting, isn't it is that if you just you just joined up a a bit for me at that point right which was um you know he very well might have said back to god when yeah. god asked him that question to show your glory
1: yeah
0: right <laughs> and actually he wouldn't have been wrong but he would be very wrong yeah right <laughs> because what you're saying is is god said it's to show my goodness which is his glory yes right so, but he, when we think about the glory of god in those kinds of contexts often we're not thinking of it in that way is is that kind of
1: some of what you'd... I think it, it f- the, the word glory fell into a category that was mysterious or mystical. So it's kind of... It has this meaning of radiance and overwhelming power and splendour and... Uh, and In in our teaching, historically, the word Shekinah was always used, the Shekinah glory of God. So I went and got my Bible concordance out and had a look for Shekinah you know how many times Shekinah appears in the Bible there's none (laughs) it's not a biblical term so I went and looked at it and basically it's a rabbinical teaching from um from from Jewish teaching was was their idea the notion that the the word is effulgence you know the, the the shimmering splendor of God was located it had a place and and so they created this word Shekinah to talk about the located Um, shimmering splendour and pleasure you know thing of God um, glory of God except that that's when Moses says to God show me your glory he doesn't say you know have a look in this box and look at this shimmering glow he says I will make my goodness pass before you and this interested me because Moses if you think about it at the point where he's talking to God in the wilderness has seen more of the power of God than anyone possibly in history up until that point, you know, he encountered God at the burning bush. He turned his staff into a snake and vice versa. Hand into his cloak became leprous and not. He went and spoke to Pharaoh. Said, "Let my people go." There were the ten plagues. Um, Pharaoh's firstborn was ultimately uh, slain, and, and and then the people of Israel you know take all the the wealth and the gold out of Egypt and cross the red sea and then there's um you know that the rock is split and water comes out and there's a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud god has shown up in power for Moses like none of us have ever dreamed okay and yet there's something niggling in Moses and he's in the mountain before god and he says god You show me your power. I want to see your glory. There's something else here, bigger and better and deeper. And that's the thing that really began to draw me. And I I think, what is it that Moses is pushing for? And and, and God says, I will make my goodness pass before you. I think, well, goodness, what do we do with goodness? That just seems so, (laughs) we're looking for glory from the one who created the heavens and the earth. And he comes up with the word goodness. What is this goodness? So, Then I thought, well, where do we see goodness elsewhere in the Bible? And I thought, well, goodness is one of the fruits of the Spirit, isn't it? And at that point, I just entered, I think, into a conversation with God where it just, just the pieces began to sort of take shape. And it, it, it dawned on me in the sense of like, if you think of goodness as being the white light of God's glory, then the other fruits of the Spirit, if you like, they are the, diffracted light coming in different colors that go to make up his goodness so the fruit of the spirit the goodness of God manifests as love joy peace goodness kindness gentleness faithfulness patience and self-control and and together those and maybe others make up the goodness of God that God is good you know to be good means you're loving and to be good means that you have peace and joy do you see what I'm saying and so that just let me into sort of just unpacking this. And just want to set something up front here is this, as I said before, is this is not wild, wacky, you know, you know what's the word, um, inventive theology. This is let's look at love. Let's look at joy. Let's look at peace. Let's look at the the basics, which are so familiar, so assumed, so woven into the weft of every song and every prayer and every touch point that we they're we're so familiar with them we we don't appreciate their splendor and their glory if you like and so as you begin to dive into them you really they really begin to rock you and so suddenly the whole fruit the spirit becomes a transformational way to look at things if you like so let me give you an example um love joy peace love um well if you invert them is a really helpful way so instead of love, joy, peace if you've got fear and you've got depression and you've got anxiety and instead of goodness, kindness, gentleness you've got badness, harshness uh, and unkindness and then instead of faithfulness and patient self-control you've got disloyalty uh, unfaithfulness, um, betrayal and people completely out of self-control well doesn't that describe the world as we know it right. and so how did God change all that he changes it by releasing love joy showing up with love joy peace goodness kindness gentleness faithfulness patience self-control it's at every touch point of all of our lives and every it's there's nothing more relevant and then it goes on to say at the end of that against such things there is no law so it doesn't matter how hostile the world becomes to inverted commas the church or the gospel message or mission or whatever else humanity still hungers at its most profound level for the goodness kindness gentleness love joy peace faithfulness patience self-control that come from God because that is what people saw when they saw Jesus And then uh, just thought about this in so many ways around. So this feels like an an inadequate presentation of it, but it's better just to put it down and start kicking it around and start talking about it. But when we were created, he says, God created us in his image, man and female, who created us in his image. What is the image of God? The image of God is this nature of God. He looks like love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, patience, self-control that's what he looks like so if we were created in his image that's what we should look like and then so you have this thing where the fall happens all have sinned and what? fallen short of the glory of God so sin is the falling short of it's the love draining out of us it's the joy draining out of humanity it's the peace draining out of humanity which leads to the pain and perversion and and death and destruction and harm we see in the world so I, I just spend a lot of time just meditating on this and i just put just throw these things out there so people can go away and just draw on it themselves. But what we're talking about here is not just an interesting idea. We're saying, no, the best bit about God is who he is. So let's look at who he is because I think one of the failings of, of um, Christians and the church to represent God in this world is that we have proclaimed God but we haven't manifested him. We haven't shown him. Well, we have, but our main focus has been on teaching and declaring and that's good and has value. But we've put that ahead of showing up like Jesus and what the world wants is a world that show it is believers to show up like Jesus, that we should look like him, we should taste like him, we should smell like him, we should sound like him, we should feel like him you know we, 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 and that is the image of god restored and that's what christ came to do and just two last points on that is one of the commandments is thou shalt not bear false witness what if that commandment is actually you know when you're distorted when you're not the image of god you're bearing a false witness to who he is hmm. It's it's an interesting it's interesting. Wow. Actually, we <laughs> we are lying about the nature of the Creator. Yeah, and right. then but second thing is Acts one eight when Jesus says to the disciples, "Wait in Jerusalem till you receive the Holy Spirit, and you'll receive power, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." I've always thought about that as being power evangelism. So you get the Holy Spirit for power for healing and miracles, and whatever else, and that of course is part of it but that's been the main meat and vegetables for us as believers we've put that power thing first what if receiving the spirit acts one eight is so you can be my witnesses you can witness not to what i've done but to who yeah. i am
0: wow wow yeah yeah
1: so <laughs> wow. everywhere you look at this it just comes yeah. and, and, and at the moment we're just talking about it structurally at the moment we haven't looked at the content of any of those fruits but um one last little piece on that last piece and next piece is is um one other piece to mention on that is i i just said how acts 1 8 we 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 look at the the power evangelism piece which has a place but maybe it should be about glory evangelism you know or, or, or the nature of god being the witness into the earth and then you just think about our practice as church over the, over the decades. Again, I don't want to knock this down. I want to say, look, we got to a level, but let's go higher and better. Okay, But where we got to was this. I think we've got focused on power. So we in the church have talked about the gifts. That's what we call the charismatic church. The gifts of prophecy, gifts of healing, gifts of um, interpretations, gifts of wisdom, gifts of knowledge, and, and so on, all of those things. Those things, um, and gifts of miracles as well, all of those things are power gifts that they have the ability to do something so if we talk about power power is as a word is interchangeable with the ability is the word ability i have the the power of speech i am able to speak i have the power of sight I have the power of reason i'm able so god's power is god's ability and if we have these gifts of the spirit we're able to do things because we're empowered by god we need power to solve problems and address solutions and every human being has problems <laughs> you know uh, it may be finding the next meal or it may be wisdom to rule a big organization or even run a country you know at whatever level you are you need power and if you're running a mafia gang you, how how you run that gang and stay in control and not be thrown over it, at any level every, whatever you look at good bad humanity needs power to solve its problems it needs ability whether that's financial or um, physical or guns or um, and so J.R. Tolkien I think picks up on this in the Lord of the Rings he says men above all love power and it's interesting that we've we've gone after power gifts because hey if we can see people healed on the streets they'll get saved and Without knocking that, because all the intentions behind it are good, but I'm saying there's something higher and greater. Power shows up in our world and causes us to go, wow. I believe that when the fruit and spirit and nature of God show up in us, in this world, heaven goes, wow. You see what I'm saying? Heaven's not impressed with power. But it's really impressed when it sees the nature of Jesus manifest in his people. So these things just become just the most wonderful part. And I think, well, I'm going to hang around here a long time. You know, um, the fruit is a very rich place to to to, to be going. And, and I think what I'm saying, I think this is a discovery and revelation the whole body of Christ. Um, I, 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 you do hear it around in different fragments and different places coming through. So I think this is something God's... Just going to refocus us on um, because I think it's going to—it's his nature, his glory, um, and and then maybe looking somehow those what those components are. Right. So, so your the
0: glory of God is really about the nature of God. That's what—that's kind of what you're saying, right? And the fruit represent his nature.
1: Yeah, I I should add a little corollary in there. I know there's um, a a lot of teaching around, and some really good teachers out there talking about the glory of God being the presence of God. I think presence has a role in that. But I'm thinking in terms of interaction between Moses and God and just using God's words alone to interpret glory, this is where you kind of get to.
0: Right. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I I mean, again, just listening to it again, it kind of has the same effect as it had before. You know, there's all these little lights going off in my head, going, oh, yeah, and, oh, and, and, and oh, and, you yeah. know, and I wonder, I think one of the things you, I think that caught my attention initially when you were talking about it was that you, I think you said something like, how many conferences have you been on the kindness of God, or the patience of God, or, you know, th- those kinds of things. I mean, we have devotionals and we have teaching at church on how to develop patience, but but it's not quite the same, is it? Do you know what I mean? Whereas, you know, I've been endless on the power of God and power evangelism or those kinds of things. And even Jesus himself, right? He There were 10 lepers that he healed. Only one of them came back. So I just think, that's, for me, that, you know, those are the kind of things that go spark off in my head when you're talking about some of this. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, uh, I, uh, you, you're, you're absolutely right. And Let's not trash the past it's not no, dishonor no, it's not. we're grateful for it you know yeah, yeah. but if it, it got us so far but then there's, there's this big question i think that Mo- moses gets so far he goes do you know what i've seen as much power as anyone will see show me your glory yeah. and so that should be a cry if the spirit and the bride are going to say come at some point they're going to have to be a spirit and a bride well a bride that has a deep profound knowledge of the nature of the one who's coming um that starts you on a journey well how do you start to roll this into your life because um how do you get you know if you look at these nine words let's start with nine because there may be more um it's interesting he it says in in the in in the garden there were many trees there weren't just two trees there were many trees <laughs> go read genesis um it may be that there are um more for but let's deal with the nine there because it's a good starting place if you want to grow in faithfulness and patience, and those are the ones we tend to feel conviction on first, it feels like something's got to happen higher up the a hierarchy. If you make sense? If you haven't got peace, how can you be patient? If you haven't got love in you, how can you be kind? Or how can you be gentle? There's, It feels like there's some kind of hierarchy in there. And again, I, I'm not putting that as out as a, this is true, this is how it is. These are just ways I began sort of unpacking it for me and um, and I continue to do it. But so, right, let's get some basics in first. I think love, joy, peace have like a, a, a governing quality to them. They have a sort of, let's get this, let's get this. The nature of God is this, is that he is love. He is joy. He is peace. If you were to be with him right now in a room, the two of you, he'd be the the most loving person you could imagine it's the most joyful the most peaceful person you can imagine that is who he is fundamentally That's the essence of god uh, it's interesting just th- to think about that is god is community father son of spirit he never changes because how could god be love if he weren't a community a god on his own right. can't love why did i say that because what does love mean um dallas willard who's a, um, a christian he's died now but he's um, a christian philosopher from uh, california he used to use, use that term love wills the good of another and i thought about love wills the good of another and it felt like it doesn't quite go far enough as a for me and the more i thought about it is i think something like love has to do more than that it has to show up f- i can't just will because will could be passive but i need to show up for the other so if you and i were in an argument now and I love you, even I could be contesting the things you say. I'm in this argument because I'm here for you. Right. you see what I'm, saying? I'm not here for me. No, right. I'm here for you. Yeah. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He didn't show up for himself. He showed up for us. And that language for the other shows up again and again through scripture. Um, you know, if God is for us, who can be? against us that word for God is for us all things work together for Um, and again it comes through and through scripture why because he is love he always shows up for you he never shows up for himself greater love has no man than this than he lay down his life for a friend and that's exactly what Jesus did so he fully lays down his life for you for a friend Uh, so in my relationships with my wife and my family and people I work with And people I bump into, you know, just in the world, or when I'm standing in a queue in a supermarket, or shopping, constantly thinking. Now, do you know, I need to learn to shop for the other. And I should add to this, I'm not a naturally loving person. I'm a self-centered. There's a lot of people I know much more loving than me. In many ways, I suppose this is why God's kind of focused me on it. Is because I'm a bit of a selfish git. Easily get into becoming a, a grumpy and a stressed git, and. And I don't show up for myself naturally for others. I have to kind of think about it and work at it as a choice more. So I have to kind of think and unpack these things, Where for many people they may be more um, intuitive. But no, my obligation is to show up in this world for the other, not for me. Uh, and then if you think about, you said God is love as a beginning. What about the, all the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments simply manifest for the other. Um, so um, thou shalt love the Lord thy God, uh, and uh, uh, let's leave that one for, for the moment. But to, thou shalt not kill. Why would you not kill? Because to kill it should, means to show up for you at the cost of it to another. Does it see what I'm saying? Yeah. Thou shalt not steal because that's showing up for you, not for them. Yeah. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Why? Because that's taking someone else's spouse right. uh, and not showing up for that person or that spouse. Do you see what I'm saying? Thou shalt. Um, uh, do, do, do you see what I'm saying? That the law of God manifests love, and so every way you look at this through the scripture, you say, "Wow, this is deep and profound." And yeah, yeah, right. And I, I think it's interesting as well because you know it talks about
0: uh, I think it's what, one Corinthians thirteen, where it says, you know, um, love, joy, and peace, and the greatest of these is love so yeah. that in a sense there is a, that hierarchy you're talking about is that right is
1: yeah. That, yeah. well um uh yeah so the, the greatest is love yeah. is, is what it ends on and i just want to put this there as a proposition i believe it's my conviction now that the greatest law of all is love i mean it's what jesus said a new commandment i give you remember that the the, yeah. the young ruler came to him and said um, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all, all the heart and all thy soul and all the strength and mind and love your neighbour as yourself. And he said, yes, I've done all these. Things. But then Jesus takes it beyond that. And he says, no, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. And by this will all men know that you are my disciples because of your love for one another. Right. And I go, how did we miss this? This is so central. This is the essence of who Jesus is. This is why Jesus people crowded to him not because he's a revolutionary leader not because he gave him bread and fish and stuff like that was because they felt loved they felt valued here someone had shown up for them they were healed they got wisdom they got teaching they got um you know women who are treated with absolute contempt in that world uh, were given value and status and meaning they tasted something so different uh, so that's the the love of god um and it's yeah I mean it's that's, that's, that's an intro to it that's who he is and, and along with that he is joy and he is peace and I'll, I'll say two things just to wind this up because without going into the other other ones now because we can always I think there's a lot to talk about over time but joy you know we live in a world that's anxious and depressed Um, and the scripture says perfect love or love when it is complete drives out fear so you can weaponize the fruit if you're afraid you need to let the love of God begin to transform you if you're depressed you need to let the joy of the Lord soak you and leak into you and leach into you and restore you because the joy of the Lord is your strength if you're weak to deal with the stuff in the world around you well the joy of the Lord is your strength And the last one, their peace. If you are troubled and and, and anxious to get so, you've got fearful, depressed, and anxious. Uh, If you are fearful, anxious, sorry, um, and troubled in in your mind, the peace of God, which passes understanding, uh, my peace I leave with you, Jesus said, didn't he? He "Um, My peace I leave with you. and that's the peace that the world doesn't understand. When that soaks into us, the, the if you saw God, if I saw God right now with all our troubles and anxieties and things and cares and concerns, just His very nature would instantly calm all our troubles because we see He is peace. And how do we know that? Romans sixteen um, says, "The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet." So again, this is a weapon. And in a mad world, hope in a mad world, if if we're a people uh, who are primarily oriented by the love and peace and joy of the Lord, we're going to show up yeah, like him exactly. in this world. I love
0: it. And, I, you know, one of the great things about that is is that, you know, just some of the things that we've been looking at um, over the last couple of years, and you, you find actually that um, the physical atro- those those three things actually... Um, when you concentrate on them when you experience them it releases all kinds of physical chemicals in your brain that help those things to happen as well right so god yeah. created us in such a way that when we encounter love and joy and peace it actually totally changes the way we feel at that point the way we act at that point because he's created us that way because he wanted a world that was loving and compassionate and you know, it's amazing The joyful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, well,
1: wow. and, excellent. And they say, you know, the, the, the basis of addiction is, and the world is in so much pain because it is addiction. Addiction is, they say, the opposite of connection. Where connections failed, addiction will establish itself. Love, joy, peace is the best possible basis and entree for, if I'm going to make good connections with the world and the people around me, my friends, family and whoever, <clears throat> If love, joy, peace are being established in me, then I can begin to build connections, and those break right. the disconnection, which is which is the bread and butter and the grit and daily experience of of how we face life, you know. And yeah. I, I I heard someone say uh, it's a German theologian say that they, they looked at studied the um, the name of God when when um, god says to moses i am that i am and this particular reading of that word says i am that i am for you (laughs) Like wow even in his name as he declares his name he shows up for us that is who god fundamentally is um and and so uh, just a step back and say how how this begins to work is to say well we show up in this world, in other people's lives, maybe as tired, grumpy, moody, selfish, maybe nice, maybe good, you know. Maybe, but in every deficiency, it's because we need to receive something. The obligation on us is to go to Him and receive, so we are transformed, and then we show up and we leak heaven into this earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Rather than leak hell on earth, <laughs> you yeah, see what yeah, I'm saying? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. there's no law against this, yeah. and they can. You, 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 yeah. There's nothing they can do, and there's no one out there. People might say, to you know, I don't want. I don't know anything about your Jesus, but you bring gentleness or kindness into their life. They just. Everyone's hungry for that, aren't they? Yeah,
0: because that's heaven on earth, right?
1: <laughs> and they are hungry for him. Yeah. In fact, yeah. um, and it's not, let's not dec- proclaim him. Sometimes. We yeah. have to manifest him.
0: Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. That's a great place to finish, In I, I mean, you know, to finish this, this bit of, of what we're doing today. Uh, thank you, Raoul. I, I, again, I, I want to thank you because, uh, as I've said before, this has been really transformational in my life. And I think that um, it's connected a lot of dots for me. So thank you. Appreciate it.
1: So, Rao. What have you been into recently? Well, it's not what I've been into so much as what I'm into right now. Uh, a couple of days ago, the Queen passed away. And she's up there like a part of the furniture, isn't she? And I, I just, I think I speak for, for a lot of us, what I just say. I think we didn't appreciate, you know, what a remarkable person we had. It was just it was assumed you'd be there. Um, Someone said she was one of the last personnel to serve in the Second World War in uniform, still alive. There can't be many of those left. And and it's incredible as well that 70 years on in that job, she's 70 years in the same job in her late 90s. She's welcoming in a new prime minister. And I think that's just remarkable. It's just exceptional. So... I think over the next few years, people will analyze and reflect on what the second Elizabethan age was about. I think it's really interesting that three of the longest reigns in Britain's history was Elizabeth I, Victoria, and Elizabeth II, and they were generally stable. The times where the, the, the country progressed and moved on and, and prospered. Uh, so having a, a woman in charge By history, the colour of history, not such a bad thing. Uh, And it's it's also interesting, you know. I I think at some point the feminist movement might you want to review that from a a more sort of distanced view and 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 say, you know, gosh, this this woman held power in Britain for seventy years over that period, and it's interesting, you know, um, uh, female prime minister at the time she's gone out as well. So yeah, just really very interesting. We love the Queen. She was great. All the best for Charles. God bless you, sir. Um, we look forward to the future. But um, yeah, what a remarkable one that's just closed off, huh? Yeah, brilliant. <laughs>